Welcome to the Law Spot Podcast with your host, Melissa Gray. Join her as she highlights legal professionals and trending legal issues facing entrepreneurs and small business owners. Ready to dive into life and law? You're in the right spot. Welcome back, everyone, to the Law Spot. Today we have a special guest, Scott Simmons. He is a, a former lawyer turned a business development coach, started the company Legal Balance in 2012, has uh, loads of business development experience in other areas, but to, today focuses on training lawyers how to become rainmakers and is developing a course devoted to that, is very active on LinkedIn on, on giving tips and uh advice for lawyers on how to make that happen. But let me introduce you to Scott. Scott, thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Melissa. Really, really happy to be here and chatting with you. So give everybody um, maybe the the two-minute version of your path and how you got here and how you realized lawyers generally are not great at the business development uh, exercise we might be smart, but this is something that we we routinely, I think, need help with uh, from a legal yeah. standpoint. Yeah. yeah. So best of luck with two minutes, because the more you'll get to know me, you'll you'll get to know <laughs> that two minutes is just not my thing. Um, so yeah. So I started off as a as a lawyer back at the beginning of the uh, uh, the two thousands. Um, I started off in real estate. In a kind of, you know, smallish high street firm in, in the UK. And, but I was fortunate enough to have a mentor, to have a head of department who utterly believed in the importance of getting to know your clients and understanding them and, and listening to them and hearing their stories and wanting to help. And that was an incredible learning experience for me because that stayed with me the, my entire career. And it also helped me come up with ideas, ideas to improve the way that we worked with clients, the way that we priced our work. I, I came up with a new idea for how we would price the work as well. But it was all down to that learning that I, that I got. Um, and I went through my career. I went to work at bigger and bigger firms and I moved into commercial property and then into trust and company management. And I ended up in corporate law, which I did not, I did not like <laughs> at all. Um, and I reached a point in 2012, I'd become, uh, I'd become Gibraltar's uh, bribery law expert. And, but I'd, I'd reached the point where I was working on a number of corporate transactions and I'd reached the point of burnout. Um, so I worked on a transaction for about three months and space the last three years. And at the end of it, I was just, I was just not in a good state. So I took the decision to stop practicing and I got the opportunity to focus solely on business development. I got a lot of offers to, to, to go in and, and do business development. And all of a sudden, all of those things that I was doing naturally as a lawyer, I was now going to have to do day to day as a salesperson. And I had to, I had to almost kind of relearn what I was learning and unlearn some of it and learn new things. But I had to take the skills that I had naturally, that or not naturally, that I'd learned through the years as being a lawyer, and I had to supplement them with new ideas and new ways of thinking. And so I took on I took on clients from 
all different professional services. So it wasn't just law firms. It was fiduciary companies, corporate finance. Uh, it was a state agency, wealth management. I headed up a national training services company for the vet, uh, for the veterinary industry, industry. I wanted to learn everything. And eventually, um, you know, worked for just an, an, a, a, a huge number of, of, of clients. But my target market and my, my audience I've always, always gone towards are, are lawyers and law firms. And when the pandemic started and things got really interesting on LinkedIn, yes. where people were having conversations, my wife, who is the CEO of Legal Balance, she's the, she's the boss, um, she said to me, you know, you, all, you always talk about the need for lawyers to get involved in, to, to be doing more business development. Why don't you have a conversation on, on, business, uh, on LinkedIn? So that's what I started doing. And that's what I've been doing for the last, what, two and a half, nearly three years on LinkedIn. And it has been amazing. The, the, the people that I've met, the clients that I've, that I've had as a result of my time on LinkedIn has been phenomenal. But it's the stories, it's the things that I've learned from people. Um, and, and those conversations, there's, there's just been nothing, nothing really like it. So um, when is the best time to begin sort of your business development training? And how do you integrate that into your, your day-to-day? And, I mean, obviously, I, I think I, I can anticipate your answer being the sooner the better. But practically speaking, uh, where, do you, where do you start that training yourself? Right. That is just a, that's a wonderful question. Now, in an ideal world... Law schools and universities alongside the law would be teaching lawyers how to sell their, their services because it is, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's as important, Melissa, and I can't stress this enough, learning how to sell what you do is as important as doing it. It's as important as the technical legal work. And you'll see that in your career. And I'll, I'll come back to that a, a bit later. But unfortunately, it's not or it's not taught in, in any way that's, that really helps lawyers overcome those, those kind of, that fear they have around it. So I would say the earlier you can start, the better. There are incredible people out there and there are incredible books and there's incredible podcasts all around selling. And there aren't enough, to be honest with you, there aren't enough around selling services because selling products is slightly different to selling services, you know, products, you've got something to show for it. Mm-hmm. Services like legal services, it's, it's much more intangible. So you're having to sell, you're selling knowledge. You are selling knowledge. And so you have to think about how you're selling that slightly differently. But the sooner you can, the sooner you can get in front of clients and the sooner you can talk to them and the sooner you can understand what they're going through and you can, and, feel it and think about it from their perspective, sooner you can be doing that, the, mu- the easier it's going to be as you go through your career. Because you will reach a point where you either strike out on your own or you become a partner at a law firm when you have to do it. And when you have to do it, that's not the time to start learning it. So true. And um, we are, um, 
I, I lead, uh, I'm on the board of the Dallas Women Lawyers Association. It is a initiative of ours in particular to, to help women be more comfortable in, in that pitch environment, sort of selling themselves. And it, it doesn't necessarily translate or hasn't yet to the equity partner level because there's this gap between being comfortable selling yourself and then, you know, being in front of the right people who can hear that information and then potentially give you work. So you, you talked about working with a lot of industries. Obviously, there's very technical areas of law but, but and some that are more easily explained. But what are the, the common themes about the challenges that, that someone has and, uh, and how, how would you work with them to turn them into a rainmaker? Okay. So there are, there are two, and I hear this every single day, and I work with my clients to, to, to start by overcoming these two things. So the first one, and this is the foundation stuff. This is, this is what underpins everything. The first one is mindset. So as lawyers, we are trained to do one thing and one thing alone. And that's to do the work that is put in front of our desk. That's the only thing we're trained to do. So when you are trained in that way, and bear in mind also remember that we're trained to aim, you know, we're trained for perfection, to get everything right first time. So when you're trained that way, you are, it, it doesn't give you the grounding for when things get tough, for when things go wrong. Right. So we have to first deal with mindset. We have to deal with this idea that it can't, that you can't do BD. The BD isn't your remit. It's not what you do. We have to overcome that. And you have to overcome that by remembering you didn't just walk into a law firm and be an excellent lawyer. You did years of training and studying to get to that point. We forget that. We forget that really important point that we studied a long time to get to a place where we are really super confident as a lawyer. We have to take that and say to ourselves, well, if I, you know, I can, if I put the time and effort into it, I can learn to do anything. Yeah. So you have to have that attitude of I can do it if I put the time and effort into it. You then have to go and create the habits so that you do it every single day, just the way that you create habits with anything. You have to do it consistently. Right. So that's the first one, mindset. The second one, and again, hear it every time, is where do I start? Okay, I get asked that question all the time. And again, it starts, it starts, and, and this is a, a sort of great tip for it starts by knowing who you want to target. It starts by knowing who your ideal client is mm-hmm. and why you want to work with them. And when you go through that, that process of understanding who your ideal client is, you start to think about, well, why would they be ideal for me? Why would I want to work with them? And then you start thinking, well, how can I help them? What are the, you know, what are the pain points that they, they typically go through? What are the desired outcomes that they're typically looking for? And what are the ways in which what I do helps them overcome those pains and helps them reach those goals and those desired outcomes. 
all of a sudden you sit there and you go, God, you know what? Yeah, this is this all makes sense. And then there's there's one more part to it where I always say this to, to clients. Okay, you've got all of you're starting to get all of that together. There's one more thing I want you to do. I want you to start telling me or telling yourself or telling friends stories. Tell me stories that relate to the points that you've written down. And there's a reason why that's important. And there's, there's two. I'm doing a lot of twos to, today. But there's two reasons why it's important. And the first one is it helps it helps you it helps remind you of just how really good you are at what you do. Those stories that you tell about how you've helped clients, you've got millions of them. Listen, you 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 know You've got so many stories about how you've created great outcomes for clients. Write those stories down and then start telling it to people. And you will be reminded of how good you are. And that's important because it helps with the mindset thing. It helps you start going, God, I'm really good at what I do, actually. (laughs) And it actually helps you when you're thinking about how to price your work as well. Because you sit there and you go, God, I'm really good. I'm worth more than what I'm charging people here. It gets you thinking about that as well. But the other point is, is that when you tell stories to people that are within your ideal client type, they can visualise what it's like to work with you. If you tell somebody, I, I, you know, I create, you know, I, I, I give great service to people. Okay, that's that's kind of an abstract statement. But you tell a story that proves it, and people can visualise what it's like to get that kind of service from you. And that's really powerful. That's really, really super powerful. And we need to kind of move away from just giving people abstract statements. We put clients first. Two, prove it. Tell me a story that proves it so that I can visualize what it's like to work with you. I like that. I also think there's this, uh, (laughs) the inability to fail and be told no is, is paralyzing for some lawyers in the sense that like, what's the worst that can happen? Well, they're going to tell me no. And that means I got it wrong. And that means that I'm not good at what I'm doing. And then it's this self-fulfilling prophecy of like, okay, well, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to start then. And then, but this, this idea, and maybe that's a tangible takeaway is just start to catalog those wins as stories. So you have them in your back pocket. So when you're going to these events, when you're talking to people about what you do, they have really concrete examples of, those scenarios as opposed to just saying, oh yeah, I'm a trademark lawyer. Like, well, okay. What does that, what does that mean? Well, save somebody $25,000 for, and from being sued. Okay. That sounds better. That sounds like something that's worthwhile to listen and potentially talk to you about. So do you have anything um, about how to go through the exercise of identifying your ideal client? Yeah, so um, so I, I I run an exercise with with uh, 
all of my clients when we're going through this process because I teach I teach lawyers I teach lawyers a um, a system for selling. It's the system that I've 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 uh, designed called Precision, and each letter of Precision uh, stands for another step in the process. Okay, and the first step is what I call pitch, okay. and what you are doing is you're doing what I took you through just before, which is you are looking for your ideal client type and you're looking for what their pain points are and you're looking for the outcomes that they're looking for. That's on the ideal client type side. And then on your side, you've got your services, the, the, the overall the value that you bring, but that's covered by the services that you provide, the pains that you help people avoid, that, that client avoid and the outcomes that you provide them with, okay? Now, that thing there is what I call the value proposition framework. And how do you go about finding your ideal client type? Well, more often than not, you know who it is. And what you need to do, and what I say to clients is just, just write stuff down. Just write anything down. As, as even an idea that seems silly, put it down. Because what it's going to do is going to give you the... The, the seed of an idea that will be that will feel better later on but you know the kind of client that you want to work with and so it might be within a sector it might be within an age group it might be within a location it might be not within necessary you know it might be with within uh, you know so many other kinds of demographics that are out there but it might be a specific type of business or a it, there's so many things out there that it possibly, possibly could be. What you are looking to do is you are looking to really narrow it down so that you can say, right, I'm, I know who I want to target now. This is the type of prospective client that I want to be targeting. And that's important because however you're going to go about finding that client, you need to be really clear in your conversations about who it is. And that's a problem for lawyers because it kind of, it comes back to what you were talking about, the no, getting the no. We have what we have a, we have a problem called a scarcity mindset where we believe that the next job is going to be the last job. And so we have to take on anything that comes through the door. Because we're so worried that if we don't take that one on, when's the next one coming? Where's the next one coming from? Now, what consistent business development does is it keeps the opportunities coming your way. Right. Now, and that is just a simple fact. If you're doing, if you're doing business development consistently, the opportunities. Because, Melissa, everybody needs legal advice. Everybody, <laughs> you do not go through life never needing legal advice. Everybody needs it, right? So what you're looking for is that sort of client type that matches the kind of business or individual or whatever that you want to work with and that you believe you can add value to because that's really important. Now, if you're doing business development consistently, the work, the opportunities will be there. And so when you talked about, oh, the fear of no, you need to hear no. You need to hear no because 
when you start putting an, these number of opportunities all come to you, which they will do, you need to clear them out. So you need a consistent this pipeline that, that grows. You need to hear some no's because they won't be right for you. If they, if they quibble on your price, if they negotiate on your price, why would you want to work with them? You want people who understand your value, who understand the value that you bring to them. And people, I, I hear this all the time, oh, but the competition, they charge less than me and they'll go, they'll, they'll all go to them. No, they won't. They will go to the cheapest option if you don't give them a reason to come to you. But if you pack your conversations with value, you earn the right to charge whatever you want. And, and that's something that we need to grow in confidence. And that first section under precision pitch, what you're actually, you're, you're, you're aiming to do two things. You're aiming to sort of realize your value, the value that you bring to clients, but you're also doing a second thing. So when I describe myself, Melissa, I tell people I'm a toolbox for turning lawyers into rainmakers. Okay, so how I started off just over 10 years ago, was so I used to go into networking events and things, I used to say to people, oh, I'm a, I'm a BD consultant. And people would just look at me. They'd be like, oh, firstly, Melissa, what's a consultant? What is a consultant? It's the, it's the most ambiguous, the most ambiguous thing, description of somebody, right? Business development, okay, so that's that's pretty vague as well. And it didn't really get the conversation started. And over time, I thought to myself, well, I've got to come up with something different. I've got to come up with something that sounds a bit different, that gets the conversation started. So always love the words rainmaker. I think it describes those people who, those lawyers who, who can just find the work. I think it describes it beautifully. And... The toolbox bit came about by just sheer happenstance, and I won't go into that. But I then put together the two, and I said, I'm a toolbox for turning lawyers into rainmakers. And I started using that. Started using it on webinars, on networking events, on on podcasts, and would always start a conversation. Oh, that's brilliant. What, what, so how do you do it? And then I was able then to go into my elevator pitch. Pitch for precision. Pitch in precision. Right. So then I'd get my 30, 45 second elevator pitch and then I'd be able to go through exactly the ways in which I help clients. And my elevator pitch is all about how I help clients. It's a bit about what I do, but it's about how I help give clients results. And when you go through this value proposition framework, you find that there are some key phrases and words that come through time and time again. And the second part that we go through is, okay, let's build an elevator pitch. Start building an elevator pitch that you can say to people when you're introducing yourself. And then the last bit is, is which always does come last, is now let's think about that opening line. Let's think about that opener that's going to get people interested enough to ask for your elevator pitch. And that's that I'm a toolbox for turning lawyers into rainmakers. No one really, Melissa, wants to hear us telling them that we're a lawyer. You've done that at a networking event, and people just, and you can see it in their eyes, Melissa. They, they just stood there going, Another lawyer, yeah. Another lawyer, another lawyer. Right. 
So what I teach people to do is I teach people to come up with an opening line that never mentions the word lawyer. And if we can, if we can do it, we'll even try and avoid the word lawyer in the in the elevator pitch as well. So, what are some of the and best? Uh, I mean, yours is good. I, I, the very, having the the uh, hook word that that automatically brings to mind an image of like a attorney just making money rain from the sky. But like, right. what are some of the best ones? And and how do you? How do you find the, them to be most effective when you're, when you're, can you give us some examples? Right. So the, the funny thing is, is that the one that has come straight to mind, I, I can't use on your, on your podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that now, Melissa, is the one that is stuck in my head. But it is, it, it is, it is so good. But the, what you are looking for every single time every single time is you're just looking for something that gets people to say, I want to learn more. I just want to, I want to know what that means. I like it. It's interesting. And so I want to, I, I want to ask how you do that. So when I say to people, I'm going to talk about selling lawyers into rainmakers. There's no, there's no BD in there. There's no consultant. There's no trainer. There's no coach. But I've had the elevator pitch for a number of years. I've had the opener, the open line for about four years because it constantly evolves. I don't know if I'll still have that opening line next year or in two years' time. Okay. The beautiful thing about this, and you talked about failure before, the beautiful thing is that failure is not final. Nothing's final. None of these things are final. You're constantly evolving everything you do. And that's what you're after. You're just after playing around, having a bit of fun. Because at the end of the day, people think that what lawyers do is boring. And if you drill it down to its, you know, to, to its most simple elements, yes, probably is. But actually, what we do is really interesting. What we do is game-changing for people. It's life-changing for people. What we do, no one else can compare to. We are literally gatekeepers to people's better lives. I like that. Right? And I pause there because I genuinely mean it. And I believe that lawyers need to start to believe it themselves. We are gatekeepers to people's better lives. And so we need to start thinking a bit more creatively about how we describe ourselves and what we do than just, I'm a corporate lawyer from X and Co. Right. Okay, so let's say you you play around with your opening line, you've got a couple in your back pocket, and, and you're able to get to that elevator pitch. What is the framework of uh, A-plus elevator pitch, and how, how do you best lay it out for whoever you're talking to? Okay, <clears throat> so I say to people, you know, that opener which is about five seconds, that opener gives you about 30. If you, know, if, if you can be happy with that, that opener, that'll give you 30 seconds. And what you're looking for is two, maybe three sentences that describes exactly how you help clients achieve better outcomes. So you're looking for keywords 
that talks about the sorts of things that you do. Okay, so you know, if you're in if you're in corporate, it might be we help clients find the kind of fundraising to help them get to the next level of their growth. If it's if it's real estate, we help clients buy their dream home. Because remember, and I say this again, estate agents do not sell your house. Lawyers sell your house. Estate agents might find you a potential buyer. Real estate agents, as you call it in, in, in the US. You know, but it's lawyers who sell your home. It's lawyers who buy your home because without lawyers, you can't be sure that the house you're thinking of buying is legally sound. So all of these things have to be taken into consideration. Think about the outcomes that we provide and don't hold back. Be really bold about it. Be really bold about the great things that we do. And start playing around with some interesting words that describe the things that you do. And none of them, Melissa, are, I draft really great documents. Sounds awesome. <laughs> they, they might put them to sleep. But, uh, okay, so so where are we in your, in your process now? Precision, we've got the pitch, we've got your opening line, we've got our elevator uh, speech. Let's say you're, you're planting seeds, right? Because that's what I like to call it. Because not everything's necessarily going to happen overnight. And, and the business development process, you talked about consistency. Like, how do you... Um, so what, what does that next phase look like? Let's say that you presented yourself, introduced yourself, and then you're crickets. You hear crickets. <laughs> okay. So, rem- right. so remember, when, you've, when you go, when you start looking for your ideal client type and you discover who it is that you actually want to work with, very often, and it should get to this kind of almost granular level, you're looking at specific niches, specific sectors. You're looking at, you're then looking at, well, within that, what are, the, what are those business values going to be? What are, they, are their values going to align with my own? What are the people within the business that I'm most likely to build a relationship with, to, to build rapport with? You're talking about doing a lot of research at this stage. And, you know, R in precision is, is research. Right. So you get to that point where you're doing the where you've done the research and now you want to go out and and actually start having the conversations. And I I know that in the in the US you can't target directly uh, business owners or individuals. But you can have these you can have exactly these conversations with other lawyers. Okay, so for you, your targets will be introducers of the kinds of businesses that you want to target. So, and and hopefully, hopefully, Melissa, there are people listening to this sort of all over the world who will be able to say, okay, well, we can target businesses directly. You're having a conversation. A conversation is two-way. But when you are selling... The old, that old adage of you've got two ears and one mouth, use them in that proportion. You want the person that you're selling to do, tell, selling to, to do twice as much talking as you do. You want to give them the space to just talk. 
and tell you everything. Because when you let them do the talking, they'll tell you exactly what you need in order to offer the kind of help and service that you can. And when I teach lawyers to be rainmakers, I say to them, don't go into any meeting trying to sell only what you do. That's not what a true trusted advisor does. A true trusted advisor looks to help a client or a referrer much more broadly. Much more broadly. So in your case, you might go and speak to another uh, another lawyer and they might say to you, actually, do you know somebody who can, you know, I've got a, I've got a client who's dealing with a, a tax issue. You don't do, you might not do tax, but you know someone who does. Now, most of us, 99.99% of us, will skip over that comment. But that lawyer has just said to you, I've got a client who's got a tax problem. And that client might well be within your ideal client type. There was your foot in the door, and you let that door just close. Why? Because all the time you're going into a meeting thinking, I need to win a client from this. I need to win a client from this. You don't. You need to understand what your prospect or referrer wants and needs, and you need to answer those wants and needs. If you can, if you know people who can help, that's just as important as you being able to help. Why? Because you're building a trusted relationship where that referrer might introduce you. You can say to them, hey, look, give me an introduction to that client and I'll put them in touch with someone who I know. Right, right. Right? It can be that simple. But they will know, these introducers who you're trying to get your ideal client type to, they want to know that they can trust you, that they can come to you for helping solve their their clients' problems and helping their clients achieve their goals. They may not have the answers, but if you can have the answers, you're going to show these people that you're somebody worth dealing with. That is a true rainmaker, by the way, because it's not rainmaking isn't just about making it rain for yourself. It's about making it rain everywhere you go. And if you can do that, that is the lawyer of the that's the true trusted advisor, lawyer, rainmaker of the 21st century. So and and we talked about this a little bit before we started. How do you of the past and the evolution of of rainmaking, what 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 have you seen? What are the challenges? And how do you think we need to show up? And how do we do that most effectively with the tools we have today, being be that social media or uh, you know still in person networking? Like where should we most focus our time in order to be relevant as we you know go through this? evolution of the legal profession with the adoption of AI, like you might not be the tool your client needs from an execution standpoint, but that mind you have is really your value. So how do, how do we continue on this business development journey with the changes that we all know are, are, are coming for the legal community and particularly like the nitty gritty technical work potentially. Right. Okay. So, and we did, we, we spoke about this briefly, but before we came, before we came on air, 
legal services are changing. And what's going to happen is, is that AI in the not too distant future is going to be doing the drafting and the researching. And it's going to do it in a matter of seconds or minutes, as opposed to the hours or days that it could take us. And it's going to draw on such a power of information and knowledge that we simply will not be able to keep up with them as human beings. So we have to rethink our place as lawyers. But actually, it's where we should have been all along. We're meant to be advisors to clients. We're not meant to be document drafters. We're not meant to be researchers. We're meant to be the people who sit at the table with clients when they're making strategic decisions. At the moment, for most of us, we're the last to the party. We come in when, every, when the strategic decisions are made and everyone has gone, oh, right, now we'll get the lawyers involved and they can really overcomplicate things. If we're there at the outset and we're there as advisors and we're there as creative thinkers, that's what we should be. We're not there as risk mitigators. We're there as creative problem solvers and creative advisors. If we start sitting at the table where strategic decisions are being made, that's where we are. That's where we should be in the 21st century. Every single client should think of us as their go-to person. And if we're not that, and I always say this, I see this on loads of, I see this on loads of big law firm websites. They say, we're, we're the trusted advisors of our clients. When you break yeah. it down, when you break it down, and I do this a lot, so I don't take, I don't take too much joy from it. What, a, a, a trusted advisor is proactive. They don't wait for a client to come to them. They go to the client. So you were saying, in this sort of new world, what things can we be doing? What, what, what avenues can we be using? Social media, Melissa. Social media has democratised marketing. It has opened marketing up to anybody and everybody. And I use, I'm on LinkedIn every day. I post between four and six times a week. So four, six days a week. So I only post once a day because LinkedIn doesn't like you posting more than one. Um, so, sorry, we're just both smiling. You might not be able to see it, but we're both smiling at that. Fact. But so I post four to six times a week, but I'm on LinkedIn every day. And LinkedIn has been an absolute game changer for me. And it's a game changer for lawyers because it shows you as an expert in your field. If you're putting out original content that helps clients, without being strict advice, but if you're giving out information to clients that they can use to think about the way forward, and you can tell stories about how you've helped clients overcome these challenges or you've helped clients achieve these goals. It is showing you as an expert. And there's no way of being able to reach as far in, in person. Melissa, what are the chances that you and I would ever meet 
outside of outside of social media. We never would have met. Absolutely true. Social media did that. LinkedIn did that. And what it's able to do, and, and all of these social media, mine is mine is LinkedIn. But mine's LinkedIn because that's where all, that's where a lot of the, the lawyers are. And I know that, but very few lawyers are, are, are posting original content. And that's where you get to really stand out. Because the mindset problem of, oh my God, I don't do marketing. I don't know how to market. I don't know how to do marketing. I don't know how to sell. I don't know, you know, right. It's not, it's not, it's not selling or marketing as you believe it to be. You know, it, it's, you're going onto these platforms and you are giving people tips on how to do things better. I'm not a marketing expert. I don't know how to create flashy content. I don't know how to look at the kind of, you know, I don't do the sort of raw data of uh, behind all of the, the, the stats behind everything that, that, that goes on out there. That You know, that's, that's my wife. That's the CEO of Lee that's, that's her side of it. But I built a following on LinkedIn just simply giving people tips, lawyers tips on how to sell themselves to to clients and prospects and and, and referrals. Lawyers have got an abundance of stories and experience and expertise. The thing we have to remember is that it's not proprietary. It doesn't belong to us behind a paywall. Google is free for everybody. It's free and it's out there and people can find information, legal information. They can find that on Google. Your job is to give people a a, a trusted voice behind it. That legal information needs to come with somebody that they feel they can trust. And that's what social media does. It gives you that platform, Melissa to be able to sell what you do in a way that they can trust and they can get to know you. You know the whole know, like, and trust? Absolutely. That is really important. And social media gives you that ability to be known, be liked, and be trusted. So let's just give give people some, some tangibles. You started this uh, with no following? Pretty much none. So Pretty so much I, none. Yeah. Yeah. And in a matter of how long you have, you know, close to 7,000 people that, that listen to your advice uh, on, and that's just the ones that are on LinkedIn that don't f- catch you from other places. But that net is so much wider. So I think the takeaway is lawyers, if you're not on LinkedIn yet, get, get out there and, and start build your profile, set it up. Um, I assume you help your your clients do this, set up their page if they haven't done it. Do you have any any tips on the structure of your, your profile specifically that um, would help? Right. So interestingly, no. I, if, a client, <laughs> if a client asks me, for some for some helps and, and tips on, on LinkedIn, I will give them. But I am not some kind of LinkedIn guru. I will not claim, I will not say to people, follow my advice on how to get big on LinkedIn because I've got about six and a half, or just under six and a half thousand followers. That's tiny in comparison 
to people who have really kind of made made it huge on, on LinkedIn. And to be honest with you, I still am not sure what it is that I'm doing on there. I'm just <laughs> simply, I'm just simply trying to be honest about the advice that I want to give to lawyers. I'm, I'm just simply on there telling people what I know, what I understand, what I've learned, and what I think will help lawyers as we transition into this sort of new phase of, of who we are as advisors. I wouldn't dream of telling somebody to how they should how they should do it on LinkedIn. I wouldn't dream of it. There are people out there who are much, you know, who can give you really solid things. I've just, in exactly the same way, I've just listened to people who have put content out on LinkedIn and they've said, oh, you know, make sure you, you do the, the little video that you get the 30 seconds on. Make sure you do that. And, you know, don't just call yourself a lawyer. Give yourself a bit of a, a bit of a name. So turning lawyers into Raymond, right? And make your about section a little bit interesting and different and give it, make it outcome focused and don't just list the things that you do, list the ways in which you help. And that's the starting point. But ultimately, this, what it comes down to is, is, is pure and simple. It's the content that you put out. All that matters is, is the content that you're putting out, does it add value to people? If you do that and you do it consistently, because people, they'll post once on LinkedIn, it'll get no views and people will go, well, LinkedIn doesn't work. LinkedIn wants you on there every day. It wants you on there every day. It wants you posting as often as possible, but it wants you on the platform as, as often as possible. If you are, hey, you don't even have to post very often, but if you're on there reading other people's content, contributing to other people's content, and trying to help, LinkedIn's going to give you a bit more of a, you know, it's going to help you a bit more. But it wants you on there as often as possible. So even for people who don't feel confident about posting, I would start by just going onto the platform, following and connecting with the people who you want, who might be your target market, and who you want to reach out to. And if they're if they are active on LinkedIn, just start commenting on their posts. Just start reaching out to them saying, oh, you know, send them a message saying, oh, I just wanted to reach out and tell you I, I loved your content, I loved your posts today, really enjoy what you're putting out there. Don't try and sell to them, people are smart enough to know when they're being sold to, but start engaging in conversations. This is all about conversations. And if you can do that, you'll start to, you know, Build your connections, build your following. Honestly, beyond that, I don't think I'm in a position to tell anybody how what they should be doing on, on LinkedIn because I sometimes feel like I'm just making it up as I go along. But the key is you've got to show up to LinkedIn and mm-hmm. and be consistent. So you said daily, like is that and, and you gave us your metrics, your four to six times a week, not more than once a day. Um, but any other, uh, consistent actions that people should take to reiterate this pipeline that they can draw from continuously. Okay. So (laughs) people have this thing about LinkedIn not being Facebook. So keep it business. 
absolute load of nonsense. What a load of absolute rubbish. And the reason for that is when you go to a networking event, Melissa, do you just walk straight up to people and just start talking business at them? No, of course you don't. Why? Nope. Because we are human beings and human beings want to connect on a deeper level than just business. So we talk about stuff that goes on outside of business. Why? Because we want to build a bit of rapport and we want to find connections. So what I tend to do Monday to Friday is business, business stuff. But on the weekends, so my, my big thing outside of work and, and my family is films and music. So if you go on to if you go onto my profile and look at my posts, most Saturdays and or Sundays, I will be talking about something to do with film or music. Because I, I love films and I love music. So most weekends I'll be doing a post about a film that I watched. Every Friday night we have a family family film night. Friday family film night. Okay? We all sit down as a family, watch a film, and I might talk about the film we watched on the Friday night. Or I might say to people, uh, you know, what did I do recently? I did, um, what's, it was something to do with uh, movies and that thing you don't like, that, that what was it called? It was um, move, uh, something to do with movies and what you don't tell people about, you know, about what you, what you think about movies. And my one was, I think Blade Runner 2049 is better than the original. Got it. Okay. And I said to people, what's yours? You know, having this conversation, I can't remember what's your own. Unpopular opinion. Unpopular opinion. That was it. Your your unpopular movie opinions. Thank you. So you know my content better than I do. Right. (laughs) And people started, people just started putting out all of this stuff. You know, Grease 2 is better than the original. You know, I don't like Star Wars. I never enjoyed, you know, I don't like superhero movies. All of these sorts of things. One eye opener that is into people as people as opposed to people as lawyers. And it just helps build a relationship. And the number of people who reach out to me and start chatting to me about work related stuff off the back of really loved your post today about the movies. And then we start chatting and they'll go, Hey, would would you be interested in a chat to talk to me about what you do and how, because I'm struggling in this, this area, the number of times. And yet you get people going, hey, remember, LinkedIn isn't Facebook, keep it business. We're human beings. Talk about what you want. Make it clear what it is that you do, because you don't want it to be all about the sort of just the, the sort of outside work thing and have no one ever know what it is that you do and offer. Talk about work, talk add value. But mix in, you know, mix in stuff about about your life. Give people something to to discuss. I talked. I've talked about the fact that I hate that my kids are growing up and I'm really struggling with it. I the other the other week I I I uh, I did a post about how the Beatles' first album is 60 years old this March just gone, and I found I found this image that had. 70 of their songs and I, I I asked people how many of those songs it was like a cartoon and it was a cartoon that represented 
different uh, different songs with it. I said to them, "Can you? How many of these can you name?" And it just got people going. But it starts a conversation. It builds rapport, and we're human beings. And that's the other tip I would say is, don't forget that we're human beings. We have a job to do. Because we have a job of reminding people that lawyers are not robots that have no soul, yes. because that's what people say about us. We're human beings, and, and we're really driven to help. We need to start being a bit more human, and then we need to start engaging in conversations with people. And, and we also need to start shouting about the brilliant things that we do in law. Because people don't hear that enough. They hear a lot of people moaning about a bad experience with a lawyer that then spreads like wildfire. We don't hear enough about the really brilliant things that we do. And, I th- and we need to do a lot more of shouting about that. I like that. I think that's a really good way to, to close out and remind everybody that it's okay to bring your, your full self to the business development experience as well. And in the end, I think it will only benefit you and sort of prevent you from hating the experience along the way because you're not sheltering everybody from this other side of your human experience. So Yeah. And and the last thing I would, I would say about business development is you what you you see the change in people you watch what happens when they start doing business development the confidence that they that they get from it and how much fun they have doing it because Melissa, business development is the is the really fun bit winning that client winning those clients and and knowing that you did it that's the fun bit and there's so it's it's exciting and it it drives you and it eventually you find yourself going, you know what, I've done enough years of doing the technical work, I want to focus on the BD now. And you, and I find a lot of my clients feeling like that. It's fun. It is a lot of fun. I agree. And and it, it sort of just creates momentum and you get better at it. And once the only way to exercise that muscle is, is to do it. So you told me uh, you're, you're sort of putting together – and, and formalizing what you've been doing into into a course. So tell tell us just a little bit about that and when we can expect it and then um, and where people can find you so okay. they they can continue to learn from you and your tips. Thank you very much. So right, yes. So I've got a two day training uh, course called the BD Breakthrough Blueprint, and I'm now turning that into a digital course. And it covers covers precision selling. It covers mindset, which is the foundation. It then covers CRM, networking, presentation skills, how to how to work through the the, the, the tender process. I'm turning that all into a, a digital course, and that's going to be available in from July. Um, so. What you can do is you can find me on LinkedIn. Come and find me on on LinkedIn. I'm on there. Uh, like I say, every day, more than prob- more than my wife would like me to, to be sometimes. Um, but I'm on there every day. You can find me. I'm starting to do. I'm starting to do a bit on TikTok as well, and uh, I'll be do- I'll be doing a fair bit on uh, YouTube Shorts. So uh, you can also find me a little bit on Instagram. But LinkedIn is where I am. Uh, I am. If you want to reach out to me, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I love a chat on there. 
Um, legalbalance.co.uk is our website as well. You can find a bit of information. If you reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, I'll put you down for sort of um, early release of the, uh, of the digital course. But please, I love chatting on LinkedIn. So come find me on there. Well, Scott, it was such a pleasure. You can absolutely tell this is um, a passion of yours. And I'm sure that uh, people will like and follow and greatly benefit from your content. But I really appreciate your time and all the insights. It was really fun. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Okay.